Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up, a podcast where we focus exclusively on the features from WFUV's newsroom. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm David Escobar. Every Monday, we give you the FUV Sports Spotlight. It's where we feature stories from one-on-one, New York's longest-running call-in sports show. Here's this week's Spotlight with author David Moranis talking about his new book. In David Moranis' new book, The Life of Jim Thorpe, the author discusses the important Native American sports figure and his impact. WFUV Sports' Sam Borer and Will Grant sat down with the author to discuss the legacy Jim Thorpe has left behind and where his impact still resides in our culture today. Um, you know, he's he lost his medals 110 years ago. So, you know, more than a century uh, gone from his greatest year, which was 1912. I remember a century ago. Um, but um, he, still, he still represents something huge. I mean, um, in, when he was um, at, the, at his peak, there was a sense, a widespread sense in uh, white America that the Indian race was dying. Uh, there was a great statue called uh, The End of the Trail, and it showed a Native American on horseback sort of slooped in the, in the horse. And, and it was meant that manifest destiny prevailed. Progress means that this race is gone. Well, it didn't die. You know, there were about 260,000 Native Americans at that point in 1915. And now they're, you know, it's, it's many, many, many more. Um, they figured out not only how to survive physically, but also culturally. When the attempts were made um, during Jim Thorpe's era, the motto of his school was kill the Indian, save the man. I mean, rid the, rid the Native Americans of their language, their religion, their culture, cut their hair, dress them in cavalry uniforms, and try to acculturate and assimilate them entirely into white society. But Native Americans were able to survive and to maintain their, their heritage and their culture and Jim Thorpe is a strong part of all of that. That was WFUV's Sam Bohr and Will Grant talking to David Moranis about his new book. There's a little slice of Italy found in the Bronx on Arthur Avenue. Ferragosto is no exception. It's an annual festival that the community hosts every year. So WFUV's Taylor Massetta stopped by to see what it's all about. Not even the rainy weather could dampen the spirits on Arthur Avenue this past weekend. Welcome to Ferragosto. It's a festival that dates all the way back to 18 BC, when the ancient Romans would celebrate the end of the harvest season. Today, Arthur Avenue, the home of Little Italy in the Bronx, offers its own spin on the festival, traditionally the weekend after Labor Day. As you make your way through the crowds, you just feel a sense of community. Tents serving every type of food you can think of line the streets as cigar smoke floats through the air. People mingle with each other as they feast on zeppelis, penne vodka, slices of pizza, and glasses of sangria. Peter Madonia is the chairman of the Belmont Business Improvement District. He also owns Madonia Bakery, a mainstay on Arthur Avenue. He says that Ferragosto gives the local businesses a chance to share their craft. We are a hundred-year-old neighborhood. There are multiple businesses that are a hundred years old plus, including my own. Same families still participating in those businesses. So I think um, it's just 
organically quite authentic. Madonia says that this brings people from all walks of life together for a day. The people who own businesses there coming out and really giving back to the people who have lived there, who have grown up there, who come back there, our customers, um, new people who want to learn about us. It's really more about that than it is about a, events, right? For Mark Varelli, Fedagosto is a personal homecoming. Generations of his family have called Arthur Ave home, having first arrived back in 1912. It's the neighborhood I came from. At one point uh, where they were setting up the band, I was performing literally 20 feet from where my father was born. Ferrali is the drummer for the band Rocksteady, who's performed at Fredagosto for the past eight years. They always make the most of the special day. In the morning, I'll meet with the rest of the band members and we'll go over to Tino's and we'll have breakfast. And then we'll go to Title Brothers and Joe's and we'll buy a little something from there. We go and buy Adios bread and then the sausage and peppers. How do you not love a good sausage and pepper here, all right? However, there's one thing about Ferragosto that stands out for Virali. Between the food, the entertainment, the camaraderie, it's unbelievable that I can see folks that I haven't spoke to in 10 years, and we can see each other there, because that's where we, we all go back. Even though Ferragosto marks the end of the summer season, the culture and community of Arthur Avenue remains. I'm Taylor Masada, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Taylor Massetta having some fun at Arthur Avenue's Ferragosto. Brooklyn has a reputation for being a hub for local art. And now some of those artists are working to highlight the effects of climate change. Breakfast Studio in Brooklyn hosts a different type of art, kinetic art. The artists and engineers at the studio create moving installations to comment on social issues. WFUV's Nicoletta Papivasilakas went to Brooklyn and spoke with Zolti, one of the co-founders of Breakfast Studio. She had the chance to witness this climate-focused art in person. That was the sound of flip disks flickering back and forth on canvas. Flip disks are tiny electromagnetic circles that move hypnotically to create different animations. Right now, I'm standing in front of a piece of art made of these little circles, and they're flipping between metallic gold and deep blue. I can also see my silhouette in the frame. But there's more to this piece than meets the eye. So this is called Long Year Buin Warming. If you missed that, he's talking about an art piece called Long Year Buin. Long Year Buin is a city in Norway. According to Zolti, it's the fastest warming city in the world. It is essentially like baking. It's, it's like 50 or 60 degrees warmer on average than it was like 40 or 50 years ago. The flip disks in the piece pull data about the current climate in Longyear Buin. It's visualizing not just the temperature there right now, so it's, it's connected to the web, it's pulling in that temperature, but it's comparing that to the last 40-year averages, and it's taking what it should be. What should the temperature be if we didn't F up the planet? And <laughs> what is it right now? The gold represents warmth and blue represents cold. And when someone steps in front of the installation, tiny cameras detect the onlooker's motion, making their reflection a part of the picture. The contrast of your image also changes based on that temperature. So essentially, the hotter it gets, the less clear your image gets. And so that's, that's kind of the theme that goes through most of our pieces. 
By making the artwork interactive, Breakfast wants the viewer to see how climate change affects everyone. We contribute to the problem, but we're also a part of the solution. The piece that's been fun and mesmerizing is actually about climate change. And we try to layer in really important, relevant topics. And so in a lot of ways, the, the medium is the bait and it's the thing of beauty. Zolti and his co-founder, Matthias Gunneris, started out in software engineering. Now they transform computer pixels and data into something a little more tangible. We're an art studio. What we make is art, but we do 90, 95% of our time is engineering to make that art. The Breakfast team has been working on flip disks for over a decade. Like their kinetic art pieces, Breakfast Studio keeps on moving, but their art pieces also serve a purpose beyond aesthetics. They bring awareness to both social problems and places that would otherwise be out of reach. I'm Nicoletta Papavasilakis, WFUV News. Every Thursday for the next five weeks, WFUV will be hosting The Little Series, where we will explore different communities in New York. The Bronx's Arthur Avenue is considered by many to be New York's original Little Italy, but take a stroll down the street today and you'll find Albanian businesses sprinkled in between the Italian markets and restaurants. WFUV's Christina Lulic has more on this hidden Albanian community and how they maintain their culture through food. As you walk down Arthur Avenue in the Bronx, you'll definitely see swarms of Italian flags, restaurants, and businesses. But if you look a bit closer, you'll realize that this iconic street is also home to a thriving Albanian community. Mergim Mushkola is one of the many Albanian business owners along Arthur Ave. His father and uncle opened an Albanian food market called Mergim Tari in the early 1990s. It was their way of supplying Albanian immigrants with authentic foods. A lot of uh, immigrants came out over here and all the food was foreign to them because they weren't used to burgers and like American food, pizza. So we were used to beans and smoked sausage and beef jerky, home food, more ethnic food. And since location matters when opening a business, Mergimtaris is situated right on 187th Street, in the center of Little Albania. Mushkola says having an Albanian market in this area of the Bronx is important for all Albanians, even ones who don't live in the Belmont area. It's like the heart of the Albanian culture at this moment because a lot of immigrants, they come in and New York is the like European dream. Kosovo, Albania, Montenegro, the Bronx, Arthur Avenue mostly, became the center of it. Everybody moves out at one point, but they all end up coming back just to get the, the feel and the culture. Just a few blocks away from Mergim Tarde is an Albanian barek shop called Deja Eatery. Barek is a popular cultural dish that's made with filo dough and the fillings are endless. People like, I can say, is the meat and the cheese is our most selling than after spinach. We have pumpkin, we have leek, we have potato now, we have cabbage. That was Dona Kolnrekai. She works at the Berek shop. She thinks Berek is a way to bring people together, no matter their culture. Who doesn't like food, right? <laughs> Everyone loves breks. Even Americans started to come more. We're in a good area. Albanians, a lot of Albanians. Yeah, we're known for this. Across the street from Deja Eatery is a bustling coffee shop called Prince Cafe. Prince Cafe is actually a chain of cafes, many of which are in Kosovo. You really can get an idea of European-style cafes when visiting Prince. 
There are people seated inside and outside enjoying specialty coffees and pastries. Prince Cafe definitely reminds me of back home in Albania. Uh, coffee is a big part of our culture and you know coming here with friends and family definitely reminds me of uh, my time in the cities in Albania and even in the villages and just spending time and making conversation over coffee. That was Stephen Vukai. He's an Albanian-American who I found drinking Turkish coffee in the cafe. Coffee is an Albanian staple. He says socializing over a cup or two is a big part of Albanian culture. It truly embellishes our culture. Uh, it truly gives us like the opportunity to speak and talk with each other, which we all love to do, and uh, you know have a sip of coffee, which we all love as well. There is a lot to take away from the Albanian community that calls Arthur Av home. Whether it be smoked sausage, burek, or coffee, we can take a closer look at Little Albania through its food. After all, food is one thing that can bring people from all cultures together. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich talking about Little Albania in the Bronx. And that's it for us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every Friday for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. Make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast. It explores current events, culture news, and hot topic issues surrounding the New York metropolitan area. Including features and interviews just like the ones you heard exclusively from FUV. You can catch new episodes every weekday at 3 p.m., subscribe where you get your podcasts, or find out more at wfuvnews.org. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Maya Sargent.